Hi, my name's Glenn Gunderson, and I'm the pastor here at PFB Purpose Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining this study of God's Word entitled The Power of a Whisper. And I've been so excited about this study, just figuring out how we could hear whispers from God, how we can figure out if it's legitimately from God or if it's just something that came up in our heads, and how we can have the guts, the courage to act on that whisper. Life becomes an adventure when we can hear God's voice We can discern whether it really is God's voice, and if it is, if we can take action based on that. That's when life is an adventure. That's when life becomes fun. So I'm so glad that you're joining us on this study, and let's now uh, begin our study from God's Word. Clay is one of the oldest materials on the earth. It is in comparison with stone or wood that we find naturally here on the earth. Clay can be found almost everywhere on the earth. It is something that is abundant to us. There's between uh, half and two-thirds of the world, whether they're in developing countries or in um, in countries that are um, much more developed, that are still either work or live in structures that are um, foundationally supported with clay structures as part of its load-bearing structure. Clay is completely abundant And clay is something that is very, very ordinary. Clay uh, is something that is super cool. It's it's earth, but it's got kind of an interesting mineral compound in it that makes it, when you add water to it, it makes makes it elastic so that it can be uh, shaped. It can be molded like what Laura is working on doing up here today. Um, And then when you put clay in high temperatures, it becomes hard as stone. It's quite an amazing element that we have on the earth that is quite abundant. Uh, The U.S. consumes 37.6 million tons of clay each year. We use it in all kinds of just common everyday things. Things like tile, floors, pottery, bricks, cement, porcelains, even paper. Someone after the last service came up and told me that baseballs are actually covered in clay as well. There's clay everywhere in a lot of the ordinary things that we interact with today. And God took this very ordinary thing that was abundant throughout the earth to almost every people, and he used it to teach us something about who he is and who he wants us to be. You see, God calls himself the potter in scripture, that he is someone who wants to mold and shape us, and he calls you and I the clay. That it's our job to be moldable, that we are to be shapeable, pliable, flexible enough that God, as the potter, can shape us and mold our lives into what he wants us to be. Let's look at one of the scriptures in Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, the Lord gave a message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the shop where clay pots and jars are made, and I will speak to you while you are there. So I did as he told me, and I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar that he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. And so the potter squashed the jar into a lump of clay and started over again. The word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. See, he set himself up as this potter that is able to work with people when they are moldable and pliable. Clay needs to be that way in order for the potter to be able to form it and shape it into the the pot or the vase or whatever it is that the potter determines that piece of clay should be. And we make ourselves moldable 
when we find ways to spend time with God in just the ordinary things of our life on a daily basis. We are in this series, The Power of a Whisper. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been listening and learning about how God still is able to speak into our lives. And we're calling these whispers, that we hear these as whispers from God. Now, I love this series because it reminds us that God is still alive, that God is powerful, he's active, he's working in our lives. And when we hear all the stories that we've heard from people who talk about how they've heard God whisper in their lives, it gives us hope that God God can speak into our lives as well. But in order for us to be in a a place, a condition for that to happen, we have to make ourselves moldable, pliable clay in the hands of a potter. Because we never know where that whisper is going to come from. We don't know when it'll happen or where it'll be. That's why having a a daily living faith with Jesus is so important because God loves to work through and speak on ordinary days and through ordinary things. You know, often we think of like a burning bush experience or parting the Red Sea. But if we reflect into scripture about different times that God has spoken and done absolutely amazing things, it was through very ordinary elements. Moses was just out in the wilderness. He had no idea that burning bush was going to come aflame and start talking to him. Mary was just living her ordinary life when the Holy Spirit came upon her and the angel came and said to her that she was going to have the Son of God as a child in her womb. You think about Peter, and he was uh, one of the disciples who, he, um, after Jesus um, was crucified and resurrected, he, God spoke to him in visions and dreams, and that really impacted his ministry as he went and he traveled and where God was calling him to be. We have a very extraordinary God who loves to work through ordinary people in ordinary situations on ordinary days. But in order for us to hear that voice, we must be like the clay that is ready, willing, available, sitting on the potter's wheel. Isaiah 45, 9 says, Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? No, the clay doesn't get to choose whether it gets to be a vase or a cooking pot or a water jug. The clay's job is just to be flexible, pliable, moldable, so that in the hands of the potter, it becomes what it is supposed to be. You see, in the hands of the potter, something that's very ordinary can become very useful. It can even become something beautiful. Now, you may or may not like how God is shaping you, molding you. Uh, You're not alone if you have circumstances in your life that are frustrating. There's a whole book in Scripture, books full of Scripture, that talk about people who whine because they didn't like their circumstance. They were frustrated with God. They were upset with God. And whining is something that comes pretty naturally to us. Uh, We think of whining as kids, you know, that it's just their special gift. They know exactly when to whine to get on the last nerve of their parent. But we all can be good whiners when situations aren't going the way that we want them to, because it feels really good to vent and be upset and say, I need someone to focus on me, 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 because I'm upset. The problem is when we're whining and focusing on ourselves, our ears become blocked to the voice of heaven. And it's harder for us to hear those whispers from God. Romans 9, 20 through 21 says, But who are you, O man, O woman, to talk back to God? 
Shall what is formed say to him who, was fo- who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? You see, it is an amazing thing of what God loves to do. He loves to take ordinary people and ordinary circumstances and use them to bring hope and healing and change into people's lives. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, We have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and it doesn't come from us. You see, watching, this, watching a potter pot the clay is just such a, a powerful image because it reminds us of how our job is to stay moldable so that the potter can have his way in our life. A potter cannot mold without water. Water is something that helps to bring that elasticity to the clay. And sometimes in our lives, we get to a place where we just feel dried out. We feel like we have become not moldable or pliable because of a life circumstance. Maybe we're disappointed. Maybe we're frustrated. Maybe we're just mad at God. Or maybe we get so caught up in kind of serving our own needs and our own purposes that we just start to turn a blind eye and a blind ear, a deaf ear, to God. That we slowly start to turn away from him and harden our hearts like clay becomes hardened. Hardened clay is not useful to a potter. And our hardened spirits grieve the heart of God. Hardened clay can only be softened by water. And the good news is that Jesus also calls himself the living water, that he is someone who can come in and even when we are hardened, that he can soften us when we spend time with him and when we yield those life circumstances to him. John 7.38 says, Whoever believes in me, whoever believes in Jesus, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. You see, there is always hope, even when we don't feel like we have much hope. There is always hope in Jesus. As we find ourselves in the month of March, uh, March is the month that we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Do we have any Irish in our midst? A few Irish here and there? Okay. Well, not a lot is known about St. Patrick, the patron saint of Ireland that we celebrate on St. Patrick's Day. But we do know a little bit about his story. Uh, Patrick grew up in Britain, and when he was 16 years old, he was captured and taken to Ireland as a slave. And for the next six years, he was a slave in Ireland. I mean, if you can only imagine a a circumstance that would harden your heart. I mean, 16, the prime of your life. For six years, you are a slave. You cannot do what you want to do, but what you are forced to do. You're away from your homeland, from your country, your culture, your food, your people, your family, your friends. For six years, that was St. Patrick's life. If anyone had a reason to be hardened and bitter, it would be him. We have uh, only two letters that we believe have survived from St. Patrick. And in one of them, he writes that his faith in God actually grew in captivity. That he became stronger and stronger as a follower of Jesus while he was a slave in Ireland. And it's because he took time to pray daily. Daily, he yielded himself to God in prayer. Psalm 51, 17 says, My sacrifice, O God is a broken spirit, 
a broken, uncontrite heart, you, God, will not despise. And this is something that we see God honor, even when it's in our brokenness that we come to God on a daily basis. Well, after six years, uh, Patrick heard a whisper from God. He heard God whisper to him that he would soon be going home and that a ship was ready for him. And so he ran away from his master. He ran 200 miles to the nearest port, found a ship, got on it, and went back home to Britain. And that would be like a good ending to the story. Yay, he was freed. But it wasn't much time after that that Patrick heard another whisper from God. And this time God was calling him go back to Ireland, to go back to the place of his captivity, to tell people about the freedom they could have in Jesus. And so Patrick was obedient. And this time, the second time, he went willingly back to Ireland where he shared Christ with thousands and thousands of people. And so today, in March, we remember and honor St. Patrick, but what we really are celebrating is that this man heard a whisper from God and was obedient to follow the call in his life. You see, what we do every day actually shapes us. Sometimes we think it's just the big things in life that shape us, but often it's not the big things. It's the small things, the daily things that are shaping the men and women that we are. Brushing your teeth twice a day is going to make far more difference in the health of your mouth than only going to the dentist once a year. Doing a little bit of exercise every day is going to go a lot further than saving it all up for doing one marathon in the year and calling it good. Smiling every day does something to your spirit and your countenance that saving up your smiles for just public events don't do right? The things that we do on a daily basis really impact and develop the person that we are. And God cares about this daily stuff. Daily things are important to God. Matthew 6, 34, Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus said, you know what? We get so stressed about tomorrow and today is important. Think about what you're doing today. What are you doing today for your soul? What are you doing today to spend time with God? The daily things matter to God. God wants to take care of us daily. As Jesus was teaching people to pray in Matthew 6, 11, he says, give us this day our daily bread. That Jesus, who wanted to be the bread of life in our lives, could be that bread for us on a daily basis. He wanted to meet our daily needs. In Philippians 2.13, Scripture says, Continue to work out your salvation. The call for us in Scripture is that when we yield our lives to Jesus, that we confess our sin and we adopt him as our leader, as our Lord in our life, we're not off the hook. We still have to do the work of showing up and allowing God to shape us and mold us like the clay. And in order to do that, we need to develop daily habits that usher us into the presence of God. Let's watch this video together of Bill Hybels, who talks about how he built this practice into his own life. When I first started getting serious about really defining a time of my day when I would meet with God, like in a formal way, I knew that early mornings would probably serve me best. But this goes back many, many years, and my kids were young. And we lived in a small house and had pretty crowded conditions. And uh, the first few times I would get up in the morning and try to meet with God, kids running around the place, it was like a fire drill. 
I realized this was not going to work. I had to find a better place where I could sit down and surrender myself and be quiet before God. Uh, near where we lived was a takeout restaurant. And there were small little tables off to one side. And I decided, well, maybe I could meet with God in one of the booths in that little restaurant just as well as I could anywhere else. So I decided I'd give that a try. And I would open my Bible and I would get my journal out and I would read from the text of Scripture and I would journal some thoughts about what God had taught me from His Word and then I would quiet myself and allow God to whisper to me if He wanted to or uh, I would confess my sins a little bit or think about uh, the activity of God in my life. But the whole thing probably only took me between 20 and 30 minutes but I did it almost every single day. And that booth in that little restaurant became a holy place. I mean, it wasn't holy to anybody else, but it sure became important in my relationship with God. I sat in that booth for over nine years, and some of the most important decisions of that period of my life happened with an open Bible and an open journal and an open ear toward heaven. And even today, uh, when I drive by that little restaurant, uh, I always get a little nostalgic. Uh, I drive by that place and I think no one would ever really understand uh, the kind of meetings that happened there. But uh, God and I remember, and that little restaurant will always hold a special place in my heart. I love his story because... People drive by that restaurant all the time and they would never know that that was a holy, sacred spot where someone met with God on a daily basis. And that's what God can do with any of us, that any spot in our home or in a restaurant or anywhere that we like to go can become that holy and sacred spot where we spend time with God. You see, we are often known best by the people that we spend time with. We are known by those that, uh, that we share our lives with. And so that's why God wants us to meet with him and spend time with us so that he can be known by us and that we can better understand who we are in being created in, in God's image. This year for Valentine's Day, my husband Carl, he did not come home with flowers and he did not come home with chocolate. And you would think that that might be setting him up for being in big trouble. But he did come home with a 50-pound bag of popcorn. This was wonderful because I love popcorn. And my husband knows me and he knows something that would delight my heart. And it was so fun. I, we took a picture and put it on Facebook. And it was so fun to start to hear some of the chatter from people. And anyone who knew me well, uh, who had actually spent time by living with me at some point in my life, knew this habit in my life and could make jokes and celebrate that. Where even some of my friends that I know really well, but hadn't spent that intensive time by either being a roommate of mine or living living with me at some point in my life that didn't necessarily know that habit of mine. And they're like, what are you going to do with 50 pounds of popcorn? But my family had the tradition while we were growing up of making popcorn every Sunday night. In college, I would make popcorn in my dorm room and all my friends would come in. And, uh, you know, it's just been a kind of a tradition in my life. And so it was something that the people that knew me best could celebrate with me because they'd spent that kind of time with me. Job 23.12 says, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. 
that Job, in the midst of all the situations that he went through in terms of his illnesses and losing his business and his family, all the trials of Job, that he would treasure his time with God more than daily bread, that that was something essential to him. The psalmist in Psalm 68, 19 says, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. That our God is there for us every day, all day long. That God wants to be in the ordinary things of our lives. Um, it can feel, be so strange to think about God wanting to be in the ordinary. I mean, the ordinary is just so ordinary. You know, it's kind of boring. It's kind of regular. And that we think of a God who's able to walk on the water or part the Red Sea. He's an amazing, awesome God. How could he really want to just be in the ordinary things of my life? But you see, scripture lets us know that conforming to Christ is something that involves intentionality. That becoming moldable and pliable isn't something that we naturally are. It's something that we have to be intentional about forming in our lives. That we have to be intentional about adopting practices into our lives that will make us that kind of moldable or pliable. Whenever you start to work on a behavior that you have to be intentional about, it can be a challenge. I have a three-year-old at home right now that we are potty training. His name is Gus. He is a dear little love bug, and he's driving us crazy with potty training. Learning to be intentional about a new behavior in life can be so challenging. And so, you know, we sequester ourselves in our house for three days, and we work on an intentional new behavior, and then you start to venture out into public places. Is it going to take? Is it going to work? He's been doing really good at home, but not so good at preschool and not so good at church. Well, this week, we had a breakthrough. He was doing great at school. Except the last report I got on Thursday from his preschool teacher was, Gus is doing so good at preschool with potty. Except for the time today he came out of the bathroom completely naked and threw his shirt in the toilet. (laughs) One step forward, two steps back. I haven't gotten the report from church today, so we'll just see what he uh, comes up with at church. Psalm 89.15 says, Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. Scripture is very intentional about telling us that these are learned processes. It's not something that we inherently are born with. This is something that we have to learn to do, that we have to yield our lives to Jesus so that we can become moldable and pliable, that we can put our hand, ourselves in the hands of the potter and he can shape us into being men and women that represent Christ in this world. There's a book called The Habit that is kind of popular right now that talks about how people form habits. And the book talks about how 40% of our daily routines are habits. 40% of everything you do today is just a habit that you have kind of ingrained into your personhood um, based on your behaviors and your preferences. There's a lot of different research out there that says how long it takes to make a habit. Some say 21 days. Some say 66 days is the key to forming a new habit. That we have to do something over and over again for that period of time before it becomes ingrained in our lives as natural behavior. So it kind of varies, I think, based on what it is you're trying to learn. If you're just learning to drink an extra glass of water at breakfast, that's a little bit easier than maybe adding 50 sit-ups after breakfast every morning. And so one behavior may take a few less days to learn than another behavior. But all the experts agree that what's important is the repetitive behavior. The repetitive nature is what builds that habit into our life. That is what it ingrains, us, it ingrains it in us. 
And there really is no easy or um, uh, just uh, fast way for us to become more godly. It's not just an instant process. It's something that we really have to build into or ingrain into our lives. It means that we have to change our habits in our life to have a regular time where we're interacting with God in the ordinary days of our lives. Proverbs 8.34 said, Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to become a monk or a nun or carry a 10-pound Bible around us wherever we go, but it does mean we need to be intentional about all the ordinary stuff in our life that we invite God into that and that we see God working and moving in very ordinary ways in our lives. Luke 9.23 says, Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. This is a daily journey that we are on. That it's not just about coming to church on Sunday, but it really happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as well as Sunday. Uh, you know, anytime that we begin a, a new relationship with someone, uh, we really need to spend time with them to get to know them. We have to ask them questions. We have to listen. We have to be intentional about putting an investment of ourselves into that relationship. And the, tru- the same is true with our relationship with God. Maybe you think that, you know, there's just some areas I'm not sure that I want God involved in in this area of my life. I mean, it can be uh, a hard thing to maybe bring God into some areas that we kind of want to control, we want to hold on to. Um, Maybe our finances or our business, we just, we want to run that. We know what we need to do and we just kind of keep God out of that. Um, Maybe decisions or interactions in our marriage or in our parenting. Uh, Maybe in the person we're dating where it's like, God, you know, I've got it. I'm good. I don't need you in that area. Uh, Maybe you think, well, God might want to change something about the way I do those things. And God might. But here's the thing. God is the potter and we are the clay. And if we close ourselves off, if we harden ourselves off to God so that we are not pliable and moldable, then we are closing our ears so that we cannot hear that whisper from God. We might miss that. There's some characteristics listed in the book of Philippians that are just kind of a good checklist for us that these are the things that we are to be investing our lives in. So if we don't kind of line up in these areas and in all the different kind of categories of our lives, it might be a good check on our spirit that we need to start developing some new habits. Philippians 4.8 says, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You see, and this is just not an easy process. It is not something that uh, comes naturally to us. Practicing the presence of God demands discipline. And this is just not a word that we like. Yuck, right? Discipline. Who likes discipline? Discipline is hard. Discipline can um, require sacrifice. Discipline is something that usually requires we give something up to replace it with something else. And it sounds great to, you know, say we want to eat healthier, exercise more. But when it actually involves getting off the couch and not eating the Oreos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it becomes a challenge to actually have to follow through and be disciplined. You know, one of the things that I think can be really helpful when we're trying to encourage the presence of God in our lives and and really incorporate God into our daily lives is to figure out kind of a good reward system for ourselves. 
Um, like an Oreo (laughs) or something else. Maybe you want to spend time reading your Bible before you get to watch TV at night. And that's your reward. And if you haven't read your Bible, you don't get to watch TV until you finished your Bible reading. Or maybe you get to get on Facebook or text or make a phone call to a friend or a family member after you've spent your time with God. So building in those kind of rewards or incentives that help us learn to get that discipline in our lives. Now, I know for those of you who are very godly, you say just being in the presence of Jesus is reward enough. And I get that. Yes, it is. But for those of us who aren't quite there yet, who maybe quite aren't as spiritually mature as we want to be or we hope to be, that we, you know, we have just all these reasons. We get busy. We get lazy. We get frustrated. We get um, distracted. There's all kinds of reasons why we don't incorporate these things in a daily way in our lives. And so building in this reward system can be a way to get us there, where the reward is spending that time with Jesus uh, itself. There's a place in the Bible that talks about people being hidden from the presence of God and wandering the earth. It's in Genesis 4.14. It says, today you're driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Now, this was written about Cain, Adam and Eve's son, who was driven away from the Lord's presence because of sin. You know, sometimes sin does that in our lives. We feel like we can't find the presence of God. We feel like we are wandering this earth. Well, I love this series about hearing the whispers from God because it reminds us that God does not speak to all of us in the same way. And sometimes we think that he should. One of my roommates in seminary, she was just a really great godly woman. I had a lot of respect for her. She was an incredible intercessor, just a gift of prayer, prayer warrior, good preacher. And um, she would have God speak to her in dreams and visions. And I thought that was so cool. I was so in awe of that. I just, I wanted that. I wanted God to speak to me that way. So I started doing what she did. I would read the books that she read. I went to her prayer group. I did all these things trying to get God to speak to me in that way. Well, here's what happened. I learned a lot about prayer and I learned a lot about God And I learned that God does not speak to me in dreams and visions. God speaks to me in different ways. And until I could yield myself and make myself more moldable and pliable and put myself on the potter's wheel and say, okay, God, you speak to her in that way. And I need to celebrate that with her. I need to, you know, think that that is really cool that you speak to her in that way. But I need to also understand that you speak to me in different ways, God. And I need to make sure that my ear is still tuned to heaven for how you want to speak into my life. If you're going through this series and you feel like, man, all these people are talking about how God speaks to them and you don't feel like God is speaking to you, do not lose heart. God is always speaking to us through his word. We can always hear the voice of God through his scriptures. And the Old Testament gave us a very visible, tangible sign. Um, God said, you know, because people feel like Cain, they feel like they're wandering the earth and the presence of God is not with them. He incorporated in the temple the bread of presence. Scripture in Exodus 25, 30 says, put the bread of the presence on this table to be before me at all times. God commanded that fresh bread be made once a week and put on the table of presence so that in the temple there was this reminder that God was present in the people's lives. Just as their daily bread was essential for their lives, God was essential for their daily survival, their daily existence, their daily nutrients. And it was a precursor to Jesus coming and saying, I am 
am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am your daily bread. And so this whole idea is incorporated all through the Old and New Testament that God wants to be in the daily ordinary things for us. Now, as Jesus began his public ministry, his reputation grew quickly, rapidly. People came to see who he was and hear his great teaching and see his miracles, and they became followers of Jesus, and crowds would gather everywhere he went. It had to be absolutely exhausting for Jesus to constantly be interacting with this kind of masses and the crowds. Mark 7, 24 says, Jesus left that place and he went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. Isn't that wonderful? He couldn't keep his presence secret. The presence of Jesus is too strong, too wonderful, too amazing to be kept hidden, to be kept under wraps. And we have this wonderful opportunity with Easter just around the corner, a couple weeks away, to not keep the presence of Jesus hidden, to not keep it under wraps, but to invite people, to invite our oikos, that 8 to 15 in our sphere of influence, to invite people to come into the presence of Jesus. What a wonderful opportunity that we have um, in the next couple of weeks to usher people in to the presence of Jesus just through an invitation. Now, daily encountering God has always been a challenge for people, even for monks. Um, There's one monk named Brother Lawrence, and Brother Lawrence was a monk in France during the 1600s. And he had joined the monastery, and he was so excited about the opportunity to just commit his life in a radical, pure way to the Lord and hear God speak to him. But the thing that he got assigned was pretty much dish duty. He got kitchen detail. And so he had to spend his days in the monastery preparing the meals and cleaning up after the meals. And so Brother Lawrence has written books about practicing the presence of God in the ordinary things. He didn't expect to encounter God while he was you know, peeling potatoes. But he learned to do that. He learned in the midst of the ordinary routines of washing dishes and taking out the trash and preparing meals that God could be very close to us, that God could be very real. Brother Lawrence says, I began to live as if there were no one save God and me in the world. He found God in the very ordinary things of life. Now, I want you to think about tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. What does a typical Monday look like for you? The alarm goes off. You either jump out of bed or you hit the alarm a few times, (laughs) whichever kind of person you are. What does your typical Monday routine look like? You get up, you get dressed, you have breakfast, and you're off and running until you hit the pillow and go to sleep Monday night. What would your day look like if you did things a little bit differently tomorrow? If you tried to incorporate the presence of God on a, just in the very ordinary things of your life. If you lived out this quote of Brother Lawrence, I began to live as if there were no one save God and me in the world. If when you opened a door, you not only walked through it, but you imagined Jesus walking with you. If when you sat down at a meal, you looked at an empty chair and you imagined what Jesus was there at that meal with you. As you walked into your work environment or your classroom or you sat at home, you imagined Jesus there with you. What would your day look like? How would it be different if you practiced the presence of God in a very ordinary way through the ordinary things of your life? Well, here's a a couple, a few things that we can look at of ways that perhaps we can incorporate some just very common ways of incorporating the presence of God into into our daily lives. 
The first one says, wake up and focus your mind on God. Do this through a scripture, a song, or a prayer. Now, what if tomorrow morning when the alarm went off, instead of, you know, throwing it across the room, we, we just, before we even jumped out of bed, we thought about a prayer or a scripture or a worship song, and we just sat there for a moment in the presence of God before we got out of bed. What if the next one, we immersed ourselves in the word of God and asked God to teach you from the verses you read? It's okay if you don't understand what you read when you read the Bible. You ask God, say, God, teach me something. Show me something. And God shows up. God is faithful. Just as Bill Hybels was saying that that was his experience to get away and spend that time with God. The next one is to pray passionately, confess sins, pray for needs, speak to God throughout the day, be honest, be vulnerable, be real. God really wants us to tell him what we're thinking and what we're feeling, what we're interacting with. And sometimes we just kind of go through the day and think, oh, God's not interested. God's too busy. God's not. He cares about the ordinary things of your life. And it delights his heart when you talk to him, when you say, God, this just happened and this is how I feel about it. God, I I don't know. What do you think I should do about this? This is what I was thinking about this situation. That we just have this ongoing conversation with God about the very ordinary things that we're facing throughout our day. Be thankful. It's so easy to whine. It's much more fun to whine. But if we can take a situation that we want to whine about and turn it around to Thanksgiving, find something. Is there anything in that situation that we can find to be thankful for? Because when we thank God for every situation that we face, Thanksgiving produces joy. And joy is something that only comes from God. The next one is take time to be still. God speaks to a quiet, attentive heart. I know in the rat race that we all live and work in, it is hard to find time to be quiet. But even just a few minutes to still ourselves, maybe even when we're just in the shower, to say, be still and know that I am God. That we give our, our lives pause to open our ears to hear from heaven, to hear that whisper from God. And then the last one, rest in God's presence at the end of the day. Thank God for how you have been led by God's presence that day. And just again, before you close your eyes, as you're heading to bed, just to whisper that prayer of thanksgiving about something that has happened to your day or how you've experienced God's presence with you that day. Now, for those of you who are interested in this subject, I can recommend the book to you, Dallas Willard, The Spirit of the Disciplines. It talks all about the spiritual disciplines and how to incorporate those in our lives to find and practice the presence of God more. And how when we do that, we make ourselves like this clay. We make ourselves moldable and pliable. That when we show up and we get on God's wheel and we say, we know that you are the potter. Shape me, mold me to be a man or a woman after your own heart, God. That when we practice the presence of God in our daily lives, we become like that clay. As we get ready to finish this morning, would you just join me in a word of prayer? God, I thank you that you are the master potter. I thank you that you are a God that is able to, show, to shape us and mold us, that you can um, take off those rough edges and that you can make us into vessels that are very useful and even beautiful when we had no idea how you could do that, God, that you are a God who delights in doing that. And God, I pray for each one of us that as we go through our week this week, we would be able to really find ways to practice the presence of God in ordinary ways, in our ordinary lives, in our ordinary days, Lord, that we would see you as an extraordinary God show up and do amazing things in our lives. 
even as you just encourage us and reassure us and remind us that we are yours, that you are our God and that we are your people. Jesus, we love you and we just want to bless your holy and mighty name today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.